welcome all of you that joined us, wherever you're at tonight, around the globe, in this state, or in the United States. And those of you that will get this podcast uh, in the next day or two, we welcome all of you all. We're going back to the book of Revelation, working our way through there. We're going to pick up in verse 12 of chapter 6 tonight, uh, learn a little bit more, and try to understand some things that uh, the Lord's doing, and, and why He gave us this information about the end of time. Okay? So let's pray and let's get back into God's Word. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, your mercy. We thank you, God, for sending your Son to die in our place. None of us deserve what we have. We have received your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering and patience. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness so that we can be uh, a good representative of who you are, Lord. The world don't need to see any of us, Lord. The world needs to see you in us. They need to see you through us. And we just pray that that'll be the case. We pray that you'll uh, give me the tongue of the learned, Lord, and give us all ears to hear. And we pray that your word will come out, Lord, and speak to us and conform us into your image and make us more like you as we leave here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's pick up in verse 12, Revelation 6. And this sixth seal is getting ready to be uh, poured out. We read uh, some of those um, last week. But in this sixth seal, there's an emphasis I want to I bring out to you. It says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, uh, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as the scroll and is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now that's one big deal of an earthquake uh, to do all of that. It says every, uh, <clears throat> the, the, every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And you think about that. You think about the people who are left behind, who are here on the earth, and an earthquake that does that kind of devastation. Moves every island and every mountain. There's a whole lot getting ready to take place, and I'm going to talk to you about that uh, here just a little bit. What's getting ready to change in the book of Revelation is we're getting ready to see God's wrath. And the world has basically been dealing with Satan all this time. And Satan's an a aggravating being to deal with. And he has some power. He don't have all power. And he comes under God's authority and his jurisdiction. And in fact, the book of Job makes that plain, right? When the devil got ready to go after Job, he had to go to God to get permission to do it. That ought to be comforting to all of us. It lets us know who's in charge. It, it kind of keeps the devil in his place. Uh, and so God's wrath. If you, if you and I think dealing with the devil's tough, get left behind, miss the rapture, and stick around for God's wrath. The devil can't hold him a lot. And it's because God's wrath uh, is done in righteousness. He is righteous. And so God is perfect, and His wrath is, is done towards sin and rebellion and all that. So God's wrath is going to be poured out during this time 
And so what we find, and this is good news for the world, and at least it's lasted till this moment. Things could change tonight or tomorrow. We know that. But God, everything He does is redemptive right now. But that will change during this time. God will become punitive at this point. He'll still have an element of redemption working, but the world's never seen God just work against them. God has been, he's never seen the, the whole world turned up down, upside down on its head because God begins to send an earthquake or cause the, the water to turn to blood. The whole earth is being affected at this point, every island, every mountain. And so the world's not dealt with that. We've seen pockets of God's judgment from time to time, but we've not seen the whole world just begin to reel and shake from God's pouring out his wrath and pouring out his judgment against sin. So there'll be a punitive side to God that will begin to display itself during this tribulation period. And then finally, that punitive side of God will end again at the great white throne judgment when all those people will be sentenced who didn't follow Jesus Christ, who weren't born again, saved, redeemed, whatever you want to call it. They were not followers of Jesus Christ. So their, their sentence will be handed out to them at the great white throne judgment. All this stuff leading up to that. And even though God's pouring out His wrath here, He's given us a word that carries all the way through that says, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're going to see that in some of our text tonight. And so he is, uh, He's pouring out His wrath. The earthquake takes place. And it says, And the kings of the earth... The great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man uh, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The answer to that is no one. No one will be able to stand. <clears throat> Hold your spot there, uh, and we'll come back. If you want to turn with me to Psalm chapter 2, I've referenced this a little bit lately, but in Psalm chapter 2, these kings have a different attitude. Now, uh, you've got to have encounters with the Holy Spirit. You've got to embrace God's Word and believe it as truth. Once Eve took the devil's perspective over what God had said to her, everything began to collapse. He challenged. Basically, he told Eve, he said, uh, what God said to you about the penalty of sin and going against Him is false. And she bought it. And she talked her husband into buying it. And now we sit in a world full of sin and death and dying. So what the devil wants us to believe is what God has said to us. He wants us to believe that God's not working on your, in your be, with your best interest in mind. And then he also wants us to further that deception and believe that what God said about sin is not really true. And he'll show you examples. Some of the richest people in the world we're finding out are some of the most evil, aren't we? I mean, we're finding that out day by day by day. Uh, and, and how they can cover their tracks, at least here on the earth. They think they're covering their tracks. And how they can buy people off, have people killed where they can't talk, and we see that stuff regularly. And the, and the, and the Bible told us it was going to be that way. Um, 
in verse uh, in chapter two of Psalm, uh, the Psalm two chapter uh, verse one says, "Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces, and cast away their cords from us.'" In other words, let's overthrow them. And uh, look what the Bible says about God. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that. Now, what's astonishing to me is that these people, mighty, small, and great here, are running to hide because they're afraid. And they're afraid of the one who sits on the throne. And they should reverence. They should have a fear of him. If you're not on God's side, you're going to be afraid. And if you're on God's side, you're going to have a healthy fear of his jurisdiction. But you don't have to be afraid of him in the way they are going to have to be afraid of him. So they're going to, they're going to run and hide. But what, their haughtiness is gone at this point. But it will return. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that with people? They may have an event in their life. They may have something tough and they don't learn from it. They don't let it minister to their being. I'm going to tell you this right now. Going on a mission trip ain't going to change nobody. Unless the Holy Spirit. I've watched them go on mission trips and they come back ready to charge hell with a squirt gun and you don't see them six weeks later. Because it's that you, have to ha you and I have to have the Holy Spirit to change. I'm going to tell you one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in ministry. I've had, a, I've had extensive involvement with homeless because I've spent a lot of time and years in, in Cincinnati dealing with the homeless over time. And so we took this guy, and it really stirred him up in a good way. It looked like it did. Uh, this has probably been in 1995-ish to 7, somewhere in there. And so we dealt with homeless a lot. I've learned all, all how they view things. I've got a pretty good deposit of that and uh, <clears throat> because of being exposed to it and working with the homeless. And, and Cincinnati is a pretty good-sized city, and there's a lot of that there. And So we take this guy, and he is so worked up over it, and he is really... <clears throat> and the last thing he said before we left town, this is the last thing he said to me, he said, he was so pumped up. He said, you're going to see a lot of me. I ain't seen him since. <laughs> it, was a, it was a running joke at that point. Last thing we heard him say is, you're going to see a lot of me. And it's been 20-some years and we never saw him since. <laughs> I'm, that's wild, isn't it? These guys that are running for fear, they know who God is. But they're going to turn right around. And resist God, even though they're exposed to that. You and I, moments can change us if we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. But just having a mental moment, that ain't changing nobody. You got to have your heart changed. I got to have my heart changed. And so these kings. And then, if you, as we get through Revelation, you're going to find out at the end of the millennial. There's going to be a whole multitude of people who've seen Jesus, had access to Jesus, 
during the millennial and still side with Satan. I mean, that's mind-boggling to me. It is crazy. That's, that should be the definition of craziness in the dictionary. That people will see Jesus, have access to him, see how the millennial kingdoms run, and still side with Satan when he's loosed after that thousand years. But what does that tell us? If your heart don't change, you ain't changing. If you don't fall in love with Jesus, you won't stay. Something else will attract you or cause you to follow some other thing. you got to fall in love with Jesus. And as I said lately, the thing that's most impressive to me about Christians anymore is endurance. Talent. Hey, the world's more talented than we are at some things. If you want to make talent the issue. But this endurance, people who refuse to quit, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. People who refuse to be denied. He said, fall on us, hide from us the face of him who sits on the throne for the great day has come. So we got a situation now where the world has fallen under God's wrath and they can't escape it. If every mountain and every island's moved and people are running uh, wherever they can get to to hide, they're in trouble. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. I mean, if you've been around me any length of time, you've heard me say this. The one place that God lets the world know He's still in charge is the weather. We can't do a thing about it. If it snows six feet, so be it. If it rains and rains and rains and floods, we can't stop it. We can't, we can't do a thing about it. And it's the arrogance and the haughtiness of men that think they can. But God allows us to be reminded that He's the one in charge with the weather. And here again, He's going to deal with that. He says that the wind should not blow on the earth. What happens when the wind's not blowing? or on the sea, or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Now you got these angels that are getting dispatched. Notice how their roles, some of the angels' roles have changed. The family of God's gone, for the most part, until these people begin to start converting during the tribulation period. And we're going to see some of that. The angels encamp around the around the, those that fear the Lord to deliver them. Think about that passage in Psalm. And now we got angels coming down to destroy the earth. They've been dispatched by God to destroy the earth. Man's not going to destroy the earth. I don't care what Al Gore says. He's the same guy that said he invented the internet. And we should have laughed him off the planet at that point. But somehow he got by with that, acting like he invented the Internet. And he's from where I used to live, so I can take him on. We don't have the authority to destroy the earth. We don't own it. God owns it. It's his earth. He'll destroy it when he sees fit. And he will destroy it. The Bible said there'll be a new heaven and new earth. But that's going to be done by God himself. And so here these angels are coming down to destroy the earth and the sea... And then these other angels step up and say, Do not harm the earth, the sea, and the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Again, 
we're going to find the devil playing a duplicator, or I should say an imitator, when he's coming out with this 666 and all the stuff that he does, because God does this with his own. And he says, we need to seal these ones that are, uh, the, put the seal of God on the servants of God on their foreheads before you destroy everything. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel was sealed. Now, I'm going to be very direct here, and it's going to make maybe some people mad that maybe come across this video. These are not Jehovah Witnesses, the denomination. They're witnesses for Jehovah, that's true. But they're not of that denom. These are Jews. Let me tell you what all this has led to. It's led to what... Um, is called in theological circles of uh, it's called replacement theology and that replacement theology says that the Jews are no longer a part of God's plan and that the church has took their place which is straight out of the pit of hell We've been grafted into the same trunk, according to Paul, in Romans chapter 11, but we did not take their place. And I'm going to say something as clear as I can say it. If God don't keep His promises to Abraham, then how can we expect Him to keep them to us? Now, I, there's another side to that. There are people running around act like they're Jews, and they're not. That's, that's as offensive as people going out to the reservation acting like they're Indians, and they're not. Just be who you are. If you're a Gentile dog, accept it, get saved, and live it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we all have to be saved, right? So the replacement theology says that, that the Jews are out and that the church takes their place. Well, I could say a lot about that. We're not doing such a bang-up job either, uh, if you want to compare. But <clears throat> that's, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. You cannot come in here unless you have an alternate theory and, and uh, see these other than anybody but these Jewish fellows. There's no way to do that unless you're just going to twist the whole scripture. And the Bible says, do not add to or take away from God's word or you'll have your part in the lake, right? I mean, he's pretty strong. If you want to get crossways with God, then disavow or go against his word and so it says here they are these 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed of the tribe of Judah uh, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Reuben 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Gad 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Asher 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Naphtali 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Manasseh 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Iskar, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. <clears throat> now, do you, if you've watched or heard any of the news that comes out of Israel, because Israel and Jerusalem is where the world's going to come to its final stand. So everything, keep your eye on Israel. That's why we have this time hourglass up here because that's, that's the thing. Everything hinges on, on Israel and more specifically Jerusalem. It is the target for God and for the world. 
And so that's how we watch the end of time unfold is as we watch, keep our eye on Jerusalem. And in 1967 is when Israel gained control of Jerusalem. And Jesus speaks to that in Luke 21, which is probably my favorite passage about the end of time. You know that, about how that when you see this happen, when Jerusalem is no longer controlled by the Gentiles, Jesus said, know that this generation will not pass. So I believe, everybody say the preacher believes. I believe that's when the countdown started. I've always, I've been, actually had a couple of prophecies, and I believe that I am an end-time preacher, which would make sense. I am that generation. I was born in 1966. So I'm that generation that, that came alive when Jerusalem went back to the Jews and left control of the Gentiles. So here we are, living in the last days, the last generation, I believe, and these, uh, these guys are going to be sealed. Now, what I want to tell you, if you've noticed any news, if you keep up with that kind of stuff, you'll know that one of the main things the Jews have been doing for the last 20 years, besides the heifers and the plans for the temple, they've also been going through dental records and DNA to find who belongs to each house or each tribe, and even specifically to find which ones belong to the house of Aaron. Because they, they're, because they're blinded and their eyes are going to be open. We know that. And some of them trickle in even now. We know some Messianic Jews, we call them. But their eyes are going to be open. But they're planning on building a temple and going back to the law and physically sacrificing. Now, they wouldn't do that if they understood their brother, Rob Shial, or we call him Paul. And if they understood his teachings in Galatians... And Romans, they wouldn't do that, but they're blinded, right? So they're going to go back to the physical sacrifice, so they're making plans. So they got to know who is uh, the house of Aaron and even specifically, or the tribe of Levi and specifically the house of Aaron. So they've been doing dental records, DNA, all that kind of stuff to find out. They're making the garments, all that. You know about the heifers, all the things that they're doing. They're getting ready to do their temple. There'll be so much zeal. And we all know they've got plenty of money, so that won't be an issue because they're blessed of God. They, they have so much zeal, and now with modern technology, they'll have that temple up and running in no time as soon as, they get, as, soon as it's the timing of God. So these guys, the temple's going to be up and running in the first half of the tribulation at some point. It doesn't mean it has to be running exactly when the tribulation starts. It could make may start running six months into it because in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to go in and reveal who he is. And that's when Israel is going to start having their eyes open. So here's what I say to people. If you and I are around, and, and there's no, this is not something I'm telling you to look, uh, hang your hat on, but if you and I are alive and you get up one morning and you see something on the news or hear something that says uh, construction of the temple has begun for the Jews, you better get your bags packed because we're not long for this place. Now, there's no guarantee we'll see that. Like I said, we could leave here and the temple could start at the beginning of the tribulation and be done 12 or 18 months into it and they'd be up and rolling by the middle of the tribulation. So we don't have the... But most likely, it, it, it may be something or there's a chance there's something we could see with that. So... There, it's important, all these tribes to be identified. Now, I, I've, I've been working with the Jews, Orthodox Jews, for a long time, since the 90s. 
And that's some of the meetings I have regularly in Chicago with the Jewish people. And uh, they love me, and I love them, and sometimes they let me speak uh, to them. And, uh, and, but they, they give a shout-out to us when they have identified tribes in different places, and they know them. Now, the only people that, that you know, the, we call them the lost tribes of Israel, you've heard that term, the only people they're lost to is humans. God knows exactly where every one of them's at. And thank God for that, because that gives us hope too. Now, if you look at these tribes, you're going to see that uh, Manasseh's in there, and Dan is missing. You see Joseph in there, and then Manasseh, so he's got a double portion there uh, for that. But Dan is missing. And Dan, there are some people, I can't verify this, that believe that that could be the tribe that the Antichrist comes out of if you ascribe to the theory that the Jews would only follow another Jew. And that is a question. For the Jews to follow an Antichrist and to look to him to be their leader, it's not likely that he would be a Gentile. Now the tribe of Dan was the people in the Old Testament who lagged behind all the time. They were always wanting to do their own thing. And so, uh, theologically, some theologians believe it cost them because they were the most uh, rebellious of the tribes. Right? So that ball player that's always wanting to do his own thing and not abide by team rules missed the bus. They left without him. So Joseph, we know, is a hero. He is Zarephane, even with the world. They called him Savior of the world. He suffered immensely at the hands of the Gentiles and his brothers. He's worth a double portion. Joseph is. So you got Joseph and one of his sons mentioned there. So we, that's, these guys are going to be sealed, and there's probably... Uh, quite possibly a reason why Dan is not there. Now, I can't verify that. I, I'm just giving you some food for thought. Uh, but let's say, um, well, <laughs> we, if you think about it in any other given, if, if there's somebody who's supposed to be the leader of any given situation and it's somebody other than who it could be, that probably wouldn't be accepted. So it's possible, and I'm not being dogmatic about this, but it'd be hard for the Jews to rally behind a Gentile leader. And we've already seen the forerunner to this Antichrist, just like John the Baptist with Judas. We've seen, and he was one of the Israelites, right? I mean, he's, but he was a betrayer. And he, the Bible said he went to his own place. We'll talk about that later in our study. It's the only guy in the Bible that said he went to his own place. Didn't say he went to Sheol or Gehenna or the bottomless pit. The Bible said he went to his own place. It's the only person in the Bible that says that about. And then you got 
Michael over here fighting over the dead body of Moses with, with Satan. We'll talk about these things when the time's right in our study here. But why would the devil want a dead body? Because it's just going to decay, right? Unless God's preserving his body. Because he's coming back in the middle of the tribulation, right? One of the two witnesses. People just assume, let me just go ahead and get into that one. People just assume that it's Elijah and Elisha because they assume those two guys didn't die. But Elisha had a whole different translation than Elijah. And the two witnesses on the Mount of Transfiguration, the two witnesses, I said, were who? Moses, Moshe, and Eliah. And those are the law and the prophets. So why would God want to keep Moses' body? And why would the devil want it? Right? Because he wants to always throw a, a, a spur in God's plan. Now when Enoch was translated, he's a, he's a beautiful picture of the church because the Hebrew suggests where he was translated, his molecules were changed. So he was he, a whole different experience than what Elijah had who left here in a natural body. Right? Being preserved. God, he can, have, he can keep him alive as long as he wants to. Let's let God be God. Let's quit believing all the sci-fi stuff and let's let God be God. He's bigger than anything Hollywood's come up with. In fact, most of the time they get their ideas off him. So you got, if you look at these two witnesses and then read what they do, and we will in a week or two, they do exactly what Moses and Elijah did while they were here on earth. They are the two witnesses because they're the two that appeared when they were on the Mount Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And Peter got all worked up over it. He said, we can build three new churches right here. We can build one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We can build them all right here. So uh, there's a lot going on in the Bible that you can miss if you're not careful. And God's plan is going to be sure. It's going to be steadfast. He's going to... Poor old Moses. Think about Moses. See, the other thing we don't know fully about Moses is how all that took place because he went up to Mount Nebo and God took care of that. They didn't have no public funeral. So he's coming back and then he's going, the guy's going to have to die again. However all that works out. And then I can't wait. I hope we get to see all this from heaven. But can you imagine all that? These guys, they're tormented by these guys because the Bible says fire comes out of their mouth. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. <laughs> and they can't kill them. They're preaching the, God, they're preaching the truth. They're telling judgment's coming. They hate them. The whole world hates them pretty much. And finally, God pulls back. This ought to tell you who's in charge. God pulls back their protection, lets them die. You realize that? Just like me. 16 weeks ago, God said, you, you can't have him. Right? I mean, he's in charge, right? God, I, I, I'm fully convinced of that. He's in charge. And so they pull it back, and they lay in the streets for three days, and nobody buries them because they hate them, I guess. The Bible says they pass gifts to one another because they're so excited that these two prophets are dead. You think about that. Here they are telling them the truth, showing them the difference between who's really got the power and who don't, right? They're working on God's behalf. They are, God allows them to be killed, martyred. They're left there in the streets for three days. I guess people walking over, probably who knows what they're doing to those bodies. 
And then all of a sudden, Wolf Bleacher's got his camera right there on him. I like to use it because that's an awesome name, Wolf Blitzer. I'm like, who gets a name like that, right? Wolf Blitzer has his camera, and everybody's rejoiced. Can you imagine what the world, world's going to freak out? They got their cameras because we're already there where the whole world can see anything from anywhere, right? I mean, they're seeing this old Kentucky coal miner boy that got raised in a holler where they had to pump sunshine in. Dan knows what I'm talking about, don't you, Dan? All over the world. I mean, you can see anything all over the world. Can you imagine the cameras, everybody's over, and all the news cameras turning, Moses and Elijah stand up. I want to see that stuff. I hope we got a big video screen in heaven where we can see all that stuff. So these guys uh, are getting sealed. They're going to be used of God. And after these, I look, behold, a great multitude. Now look at this which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Whole different perspective, right? These last guys were running from the one that sat on the throne and the Lamb, right? These guys are running to the throne and the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne. The elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces, before the throne of worship God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying, To me, this is John, he's talking, Who are these arrayed in white robes, that, uh, and where do they come from? Of course, John didn't know. <laughs> and he said, I said, Sir, you know. And so he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So here are these people that are being saved. And the tribulation's not over here, but we see them in, the, in front of the throne, which means they've died. So here's, here's the deal. If I, and I, I can't preach this enough, I don't think. Uh, but let me draw this up, because I want you all to have this stuff as much of as you can, committed to memory, and the more you see it, <clears throat> the more you can do that. But the world, after... What we call the rapture, the catching away of the true believer, then the world's going into great tribulation. And that tribulation for the world is going to last seven years. Seven years. So in the beginning of the tribulation, the devil's acting like he's a good guy, right? And the Antichrist, they're all acting like they're good guys. And then somewhere prior to the middle of the tribulation we start seeing what we're seeing tonight. We start seeing God's wrath being poured out. We see these uh, 12,000 from each tribe sealed. And all of a sudden, here in this, in this particular case, we see people somewhere close to the middle of the tribulation. We see all these people that are in heaven that have been coming out of this tribulation. And so... The, the devil, or the Antichrist, people have been losing their lives. Some of them maybe from the fallout of God's wrath. Because, but a lot of them are having to give their lives because they won't side with the Antichrist. They're getting beheaded, killed, whatever. Starved out. So a lot of people during this seven years are going to be saved... 
But most of them, or a large part of them, it's going to cost them their life. Today's the day of salvation. You need to get saved and get right with God today. I'm talking to everybody. Those of you that are listening to me around the globe or get this podcast. You need to get saved. You need to lay your life down and quit living for yourself and start living for God. That's the only way out of here. It's not the person with the most toys. You don't win. The person who has Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior wins. And it's time to be faithful. You know, we got a culture that's faithful to all kinds of things. We need to be faithful to God first. And we got people even in the church world that are deceived with that. And so <clears throat> we are going to see a lot of people get saved, or we'll see the results of that. People getting saved out of every, what did he say, every kindred, every, uh, he said, these are the ones that come out of great tribulation, wash their robes, therefore they are before the, uh, the Lamb of God, serve Him day and night uh, in His temple. Uh, <clears throat> therefore they are before the throne, serve Him day and night, and He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger no more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These people that come out of this great tribulation, they're going to be under immense pressure. They're going to have so much trouble to deal with to honor God. You know, there's no way to put out every scenario. But if you get saved, if you come to Christ during that tribulation period, most likely you're going to die physically. Because you're not going to be able to buy or sell if you don't take the mark of the Antichrist. You won't be able to get medicine for your baby. We threw a little scenario out there last week about that. You'll be marked as an enemy. And all this technology, we are in a technology realm that most people think it's the greatest thing since uh, they invented the wheel. But all that's going to come full circle. I listened to two interviews that got my attention. One interview was a guy from Silicon Valley who is part of making all the technology. And they interviewed him, and I watched this interview with him. And they said, they asked him about cell phones, uh, smartphones and stuff. He said, none of us let our children have them. That's telling, isn't it? The people who create them. And then I watched a guy who had worked for the government, and he said, they interviewed him. And he said, I don't carry a smartphone. He said, they're tracking you constantly. He said, they know everything about you. Now, if you're not doing illegal things, that's not a big deal. But what I'm trying to say to you is all that's going to come full circle. So now, what do we know? This system that we all feed off of to some degree is going to be the very system the Antichrist is going to be able to use to put everybody in their place. Uh, It's coming to even smaller cities, but some of these rural cities, I I was talking to a lady who was over one of the water districts in this state, and now 
they can turn your water off without ever coming to your house. Same, it's, it's all going to get that way. Your electricity, everything's going to get to where they don't even have to come to your house. They can, we all know all that. They can shut our cell signal off right now if they want to. All of us are vulnerable to that. So far, we don't have the Antichrist here or anybody trying to act like him to do that. But that day will come. That day will come when they say, it may come before the Antichrist. We may start seeing, it already happens um, in, other, in these other countries. They shut access to their people off from certain things because they don't want them to know if they're certain things. That happens in foreign countries all the time. And there's a place where there's, there's places where there's not free speech. And, and that's a big debate in our country now, right? People about whether we're going to be able to continue to have free speech. Canada has already lost some of their free speech. Some of the things that I say from this pulpit would land me in jail or at least community service in Canada. That's the kind of world we live in. But all this system, though we may all benefit from it to some degree right now, is going to be turned against the inhabitants of the earth. So if, you, if they say, hey... Uh, you need to take the mark. And you say, well, I, I can't take the mark. And maybe you don't even give them the reasons, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, my grandmother told me what that was all about. you know." And, and you don't take the mark. And they say, we well, can't buy, you can't sell, and <clears throat> we're going to cut your water off. We're going to, literally, we're going to cut everything off. <laughs> so you can't function. And now, uh, I was talking to a guy who's a Middle East expert who actually... Uh, was in the military he's a middle east he lives here in the, in our area and he was talking about the uh, e, is it the emps the things that they can send out to hit the grid you know it's a great thing right <clears throat> if you get your car stolen now they can send out a signal from the satellite for a lot of these newer cars and shut it down thief can't take it very far if you call it report and and but that's all good right now but all that stuff will come back against the world. That technology is being put in place for, for the Antichrist to really be able to control the world. As I said a couple of weeks ago, that when they tell this young couple's just had a baby, hey, let us put a chip in that baby's hand and she'll never be able to be kidnapped. We can track her in. That's going to sound great if you don't understand the Bible, if you don't have any knowledge of what's coming. So you can see how all this technology that we all benefit from to some degree <coughs> will be turned and used against the earth. Because it's one thing to say you can't buy or sell and just blurt that out. It's another thing to be able to cut all access off for everybody. Your car won't move out of the driveway. Your cell phone won't work. Your water won't turn on. Your electricity won't come on. And there you sit. With helpless. So we're getting, you can see how the world's getting set up. And I've said this a couple of times. I read an article uh, about how, and it wasn't a Christian article, it was just an, a secular article about how that once 5G gets fully implemented, if somebody could get in the right situation with the brain head of that, they could basically control the world. So we're getting set up for all this. We're not. Because we were told. Now that brings me to my last point I want to make tonight. Why, why do we get all this information? Why has God given us all this information? Uh, because 
we're not going to be caught off guard. Paul said, we're not in darkness like the world is. And he went on to say that that day should catch you off guard or unawares. He's talking to the world. He's talking to people who don't have, have any knowledge of the Scripture. Who don't. Now, now, believing books like Revelation, believing what God teaches about marriage, believing all that stuff puts people as fuddy-duddies, old-fashioned, and we're crazy. But uh, if you want to have any competition in my life about what's true or what's false, about what's right or what's wrong, if you want to have a debate with me about that, then you go die and rise from the dead and we'll talk. But until you, whoever you is, that professor who thinks he knows it all or the Schwab guy that thinks he's in charge of the world, the one that said he could build a human better than God, when you, if you think you're in charge, if you think you've got something to say, you go die and rise from the dead and we'll talk. But until you do that, I'm sticking with the one that rose from the dead. The one that was here before anything was formed and actually helped form it. The Bible says, let us make man in our image, the Father, Son. That's the plural form of God there. Jesus was before the foundation of the world. He's all going to be around after the world's gone. I'm sticking with him. Whatever he says, you need to take that as your rule. I, I love my people, but I, I'm not taking what my grandmother said over what God said. And we need to make sure he, he, he knows what he's talking about. He was here, he watched Satan fall. He, he was here and helped create all that we see. He came as a man and died in our place, rose from the dead. And if you think the devil had, a, had an agenda, he did. He tried to talk Jesus into coming off the cross. That's why he sent people there to tantalize him and provoke him. But he stayed on there, died in our place, gave up the ghost, the Bible says. But after that, then what was the devil's next job? Try to keep him out of that grave. He, he can't come out of that grave if the devil's going to win. Of course, we know the devil's not going to win. But that, from his perspective, he needed to stop Jesus from coming out of that grave. And I say it's a high possibility that there was a day or three days right there uh, to where nobody had to deal with the demon because they were probably all dispatched right there to that tomb. To try and keep Jesus. But they couldn't. He came out of the grave. So if there's ever a question about what you're going to believe. Come back to this every time. Come back to this every time. I don't care how smart the person is in front of you. I don't care what, how many degrees they got hanging on the wall. You always and I need to come back to this. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. So as silly or as out of touch as some people say the Bible is, it's perfect. Do you know, and we'll see a few of those here before we quit in our study. Do you know the last five times the word sorcery is used in the Bible? It's the Greek word pharmakia where we get the word pharmacy. God, do you think God knew what kind of drug problem we were going to have in the last days? Sure He did. He's already been around the corner before we get there. Let God be true and everybody else a liar.
Amen. Father, we thank you for the time we've had tonight. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would help us to grow. And we know that as we study Revelation, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. You're giving us insight so we can see what's coming. So it will motivate us to share the love of Christ, the true gospel with other people, that they might be saved. Lord, we love you and we honor you and we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for the, the other salvations we've seen in the last three weeks, Lord. We're looking forward to using that baptistry as soon as we get it up and running, Lord, because of your salvations. We're so thankful for these salvations you've brought in the last three weeks, Lord. And we, we give you praise and glory for that. We should rejoice. You said there's rejoicing in the presence of angels when one soul is converted. We should be rejoicing right along with them. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for all the blessings you've given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen.